Peace be to you. Henry the Cobbling of Evil. Let us begin with a question. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Curiously Catholic. This is the podcast where we like to pick the brains of Catholic enthusiasts from all over the world trying to work out how to be truly Catholic in this world. Before we get into this episode, we've got a lot of exciting things that are coming up. Um, we've just run our first retreat in Auckland, which was an absolute success. We've got another one going on in Christchurch. If you haven't heard about it, it's going to happen. And because we want to make sure everyone gets access to all this stuff, we are coming up with a Patreon page. We're going to launch it soon. We're just getting all the technological and finicky bits all together. And we're going to be launching a Patreon page soon where you're going to be have access to um, exclusive content, which um, you can you can sign up to that Patreon and get involved. I'm sure you know how it works. So when that happens, we'll let you know. But stay tuned to our Facebook page and to all other things. So um, find us on uh, podcast apps, Curiously Catholic. We're on Spotify, all the main ones. We're going to be starting uh, going onto YouTube soon, so we're going to get all organized. So by the end of the year, we'll have a good few videos up on YouTube of past interviews and all future interviews. And also, you know, like, share, and subscribe. Get us out there. Help us to uh, spread the message of God and to evangelize this great nation, New Zealand. But in this episode, we are going to be picking the brains of some Catholic enthusiasts. You may have heard of them from the In His Name conference, which we ran last year. Mike and Alicia Hernan. So, Mike and Alicia, how are you? It is great to be with you, Dominic. Thanks for having us. Yes, great well, to be thanks here. Thanks for coming. You've been, um, when we announced that we were going to have you guys, we got a lot of feedback. And I was like, because I only just heard about you last year with the uh, the conference. And since then, mm. you've got... It just you're very prolific in all you do. There's lots of things out there. <laughs> um, no, prolific in children, prolific in work. You know, this is yes. one of the way we roll. <laughs> yeah. So for the very few people in New Zealand that don't know who you are, maybe we do a bit of an introduction. So who are <laughs> oh, you guys, so <laughs> and what is the Messy Family Project? So the Messy Family Project is a, uh, a ministry uh, that is trying to um, empower parents, strengthen marriages, and bring families closer to Christ, right? So we we started simply as a podcast trying to share um, a little bit of our story, but also some of the wisdom yeah. of the church applied to family life. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are, we've been married for 27 years. Uh, we have 10 children. And actually, you know, we got married young and started having kids. Right. Our kids have married. We have two married uh, uh, adult children who actually now have, we have three grandchildren. Uh, and then well. two on the way. That's so right. we have, so our children are very prolific as well. <laughs> it's part of our world domination plan. Exactly, okay? exactly. Yeah. But so our podcast is kind of just, it started as a hobby, but now it's turned to, over the past three years, has really turned into a ministry. So this is what we do full time in providing resources for families, mentoring them, offering courses, um, yeah, all kinds of things because there's just such a need for encouragement for parents. And I really, we really, really believe that if God calls us to kind of be more, more a mother, more a father, that's how he wants to convert us. Like that's our path mm. to holiness is in the vocation of being a married, um, a married person. Yeah, that's, that's really, it's really powerful. And it's one of those things that I have to get woken up to every, every day. Um, the fact that like, you know, marriage is a sacrament. It's not just a, you know, a piece of paper, you know, it's not just a, 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 a job or anything. 
Yeah. Right. Well, I thought you were going to say I have to get woken up because my children keep waking you up and you're just so tired. I mean, because that's normally what happens. And, and, and you know, Dominic, that's our built-in formation. Yeah, you know, exactly. We don't go to a seminary, but we go through a lot of with our spouse, yeah. but also with our kids, the formation that yeah. happens there. Yeah. Well, I was just telling you a bit about my life before we started, about like how I had my first child when I started my uh, my degree to become a nurse. And I think like for me it was such a formative experience of like i you know i re- i didn't realize how selfish i was beforehand it's like i thought you know i was giving i was giving oh my myself gosh, to my wife the and then yeah and then we had this kid and all of a sudden I'm like man i need to kick it up a gear you know and it was a, a real <laughs> blessing because <laughs> i was starting this degree so i was like okay i can't not do this degree and just being with my wife through the pregnancy process and then through the birthing process was just it was just like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to get my my life sorted. Um, and now we're on our second. But you, how many, how many kids do you have? Just ten. That's it. <laughs> oh yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so we have uh, five of our children are adults and out of the home, so we kind of like have had that just that experience and raising kids through teenage years and launching them. But we still have five kids who are at home you know, that kind of like, we're still in the thick of it, you know, in Mm. carpools and school and, you know, raising teenagers and all of that. But then our grandchildren kind of help keep us reminded about the challenges of the toddler years and infancy and, you know, and all of those things. So because they live in town with us, uh, you know, my, my son and my daughter live in town, but you know what you were just saying about that? Um, I didn't realize how selfish I was. That is so true. Like that is absolutely true. And the way that I say it is that I would say, I thought I was a good person until I had children, you know, (laughs) like I just thought I was so holy. And I thought I was just so, you know, so virtuous (laughs) that I had kids and I was like, I had so much to learn, you know, Lord, <laughs> yeah. that mercy on me, you know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was so formative for me. I was like, so how do you like priests grow up? Because like, I, I I needed this. I needed this because I wasn't going to do yeah. it myself. Uh, I mean, yeah. first off, like having a wife made me realize, okay, I can't just do whatever I want whenever I want to do it. And then having kids was like, oh, I'm still doing that. We're just with somebody now, <laughs> you know. Yes, uh, yeah. yes. Yes. There, there's this beautiful thing in some ways where you you choose a spouse. In a way, you are open to life, but really you don't necessarily choose the child. The child comes to you. Right. But it's but it, there's something powerful that, uh, of the pull of the child that just demands so much of you. It, out of love, de- you know, demanding that you take care of it. You wake up in the middle of the night. It's just a natural longing in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. this, this, this beautiful balance between um, you started with marriage, you ended up with children, and then you also need to then go back and double down on your marriage because right. as you get pulled into mm. being the mom or the dad, you know, you, you're naturally drawn to that. Well, you've got to remember, it started with the marriage. You know, it started with yeah. me saying, yeah. I do, I am all in mm. on this relationship. Yeah. And it gets yeah. harder as you have children, as, as they grow and then more demands and the kind of the craziness mm. of life. Yeah. Um, you got to choose both of them. I yeah. said, I always say, I feel like God knew that we needed a lot of work, you know? And so he was like, well, a lot of rough a, edges, give him know? another child. You know, they're still not learning. They're still kind of selfish there. Yeah. Give him another kid. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, yeah. It, because it teach you a lot. Yeah. Um, so, cause you, you've got, t- you have to do that 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and some are harder than others too. <laughs> yeah. Cause like uh, Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, he was like saying he had four kids and he's like, what's it like having four kids? Well, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. Um, exactly. <laughs> we had our second uh, at New Year's Eve. If it was a uh, like it was eleven o two, so fifty eight minutes late, it would have been a Christmas baby. Um, and it's just it's not the same at all. And so you had to do that ten times. Like the yeah. step up from one to two isn't a short step. It's like okay, everything's changed. Because one thing we realized is uh, our two year old really really loves her little sister. Uh, to her sister's detriment sometimes she'll just dive <laughs> on top of her like no no you can't do that <laughs> you know? and so it's another yeah. it's just another thing to manage but like so um how was it like going from child to child was it just does, does any point does it get easier <laughs> <laughs> do you, you want us to give you hope is that what you're asking <laughs> please please <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, when when I was in in college, I thought in university, I, I thought the priorities in life were you know sleep, God, you know, and everything else, you know, and, and but it, you you lose some sleep, uh, particularly in the early days, and you somewhat get it back uh, later, <laughs> uh, but but it, it does get easier as they come. But for every every, I mean, going from zero to one is I think huge. That's I think the that's biggest massive. Change. Yeah. And then for some people, it's the second child or the third child. Uh, mm -hmm. For us, it was the third child that was like, mm -hmm. we, we move from, you know, man to man to zone defense, if, you, if that analogy plays oh, out yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're, we're getting outside of ourselves because we can no longer hold all of the kids, you know, easily. Mm -hmm. And um, but when you go to that point and you're just like, we're all in, it actually became a lot easier as the kids got older and we're helping out. And it only works when, you know, a larger family, anything more than two kids is a large family these days. Mm -hmm. And that really actually returns to you. And mm -hmm. they start helping out in That's a way right. that they're helping you raise the other kids. And to be honest with you, now, when I look around the dinner table, if we're all sitting around, all 10 of us plus grand, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm overwhelmed with joy, like at how mm -hmm. worth it it all is. Yes, there Absolutely. are sacrifices there. I mean, for people who create this rosy uh, image of, of a big Catholic family, a big Christian family, um, there is amazing moments. There's a lot of bumps and, and, and struggles along the way, but it's all worth it. Yeah. It really is all worth it. I mean, our older children now, our oldest five children, who are all adults are really such a gift to us and giving back to us and being able to support us and really be, you know, there's obviously there will always be our children, but they are also our friends yeah. because we share mm. values with them. We, you know, we like, we honestly like to be together. And the thing is, is that that didn't happen by accident. We started our family with the intention of communicating our values to sure. our children and really making sure that all of the decisions we made, whether it was the house that we bought, where we would live, the job Mike would have, the job that I would have, that all of that was all with the intention of what is the best thing for our family and what is the best thing for us to be able to communicate to our children in that way. Like Mike said, it's not always easy, but it is absolutely the great greatest joy it's the it's absolutely the greatest joy and it does get easier there's an economies of scale yes exactly. you know once you start right. the, the 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 family culture going 
it becomes a lot, you know, because you're figuring out how do I deal with this one child? And then for the first mm-hmm. time, you're, you're old list who's now two, right? You know, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with a toddler? Right? You know, but you're going to have a little bit of experience. Now, each child's a little different, but you're gonna have some basic knowledge. They'll keep you now. on your toes. <laughs> yeah. But this is, this yes. is our, our university for parenting, right? Just by yes. going through it, through the experiences. Exactly. So you'll be earning more than just a PhD uh, in parenting as you pass through this. Absolutely. <laughs> and see, and I, you know, we could like talk forever, but I just feel like I want to say, and God knew all this. You know, like he knew that this is what we needed. And it really makes me so sad when people use contraception, artificial or sterilization and just say no to having children because I feel like mm. they don't know what they're missing. They mm. don't know that. And it, and we have to look at our heavenly father and say, the Lord has the path for life. He has laid out the path to life in front of us if we do what he says. And we may not understand it at the time and there are challenges, but now like for us, looking back, we're like, yes, yes, I see it. And we really wanna witness to that, to the joy of God's plan for the family that we understand through the Catholic church and um, and just kind of just witness to that that joy that it brings. Mm, Yeah, I mean, you say you could talk forever. I think I could listen forever. There's just so many questions <laughs> in my brain from everything you're saying. Um, one thing that comes to mind is I often have friends that, you know, aren't don't have kids yet or aren't married. And I just like, I'm mentioning like, you know, oh, sorry, I was up all night last night. You know, the girls were ill or something like that. Or I woke up at three this morning, haven't, haven't stopped. And they're like, you're not selling it to me, Dom. <laughs> you know, I was yeah, like, why yeah, should yeah, I have yeah, kids? Yeah. And I am very aware of there's two uh, there's two very different perspectives. There's obviously the man's perspective and the woman's perspective. Because like with me and my wife, I'm like, okay, I, I want to have a football team of kids. And she's like, I don't want to carry a football team of kids. You know, she's giving birth <laughs> and all that. And so it for a woman, there's, there's a, a bigger investment. Like, you know, I've just finished my my maternal um, paper on, in, in nursing and it's a lot. Like, it's terrifying. I can understand why it's uh, like uh, it's traumatic experience for uh, the woman. So, like, could you just kind of speak to that? Like, you know, how do we encourage, you know, people like men to step up into fatherhood, but women to dare to take on that role of pregnancy uh, for nine months and then delivery for how long? Oh, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> you just got her so, started. So first of all, we, um, we literally just did a podcast on this. And so the podcast that we just did called, Oh Baby, How Many Babies Should We Have? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. We actually talked about this exact, this exact issue. And first of all, I think that we as women need to recognize that the world, the secular world does not respect women's bodies. Okay. So, and we need to be aware of that as Catholic women, when we engage with our medical community, unless you have an amazing Catholic doctor, they don't have the respect for your body that they should have as recognizing that your body as a woman was designed to give life. You literally were made to do this. When you are having, when you are carrying children, when you are pregnant, when you are giving birth, and those days after childbirth, you were made to do this. 
God did not design women in a flawed way. And that affects the way that we see our cycle. That affects the way we see um, childbirth, getting pregnant, hormones, all hormones, everything. And we as Catholic women really need to allow our minds to be renewed and recognize that our Heavenly Father made us perfectly. And so anyway, so with that, um, with that renewed perspective, when we go into childbirth, when we go into that time of pregnancy, we really need to do everything we can to treat our bodies as they are a sacred, sacred temple, temp yeah. a sacred temple. So for all of my pregnancies, I, I'm a very big fan of midwives because I really feel like their model of care is very focused on this idea of you were made to do this. Even secular midwives really kind of come, usually come with that perspective. And so to have like the correct, um, the right food, the right amount of protein, exercising, uh, you know, resting when needed, having like any herbs, supplements, things like that, that can really help and support your body to do what it was meant to do. Because if you don't, then you're right. For so many women, right. birth can be a traumatic experience. It can wear you down if you don't recognize that you were made to do this. And if your body has the correct support and the correct building blocks, if you will, you know, of the helping to form a whole other person, which is amazing. You know? And then to give your body the rest that it needs afterwards is very, mm. very important. It's very important. And so usually, unfortunately, our medical community has the attitude of like, well, you're only going to have two kids. So zip zap, we can give you the cesarean. You know, you can have your episiotomy, blah, 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 because it doesn't really matter because these are all the kids you're going to have. But for me, I knew after my first child, I was like, I wanted to have a lot of kids. And so I was very, very careful to take care of myself, you know, and to take care of my body. And I think there really needs to be renewal it, among Catholic women of um, really respecting our bodies and looking mm. for the good support that says, I see the way you were made as perfect and not, well, you're sick or treating pregnancy as a sickness, treating pregnancy as an illness. Mm. So we need to cure it with, by giving you artificial contraception. We need to cure it. We need to fix you by tying your tubes or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, that's not the way that, that we should see our bodies and and we have to just recognize we're affected by the world we're yeah. affected by the world's philosophy and i think that when we can be open to that there's a lot of choices that we can make that will change that but, and just as from a husband standpoint right you know mm -hmm. our our contribution to procreation was a wonderful contribution <laughs> but it didn't, didn't didn't immediately involve uh, sacrifice right but the sacrifice mm. for us has to be voluntarily chosen, right? Mm. You know, to, to come mm. into a place where we're saying we are here to protect and serve our wife. You know, she is our prize and she is our bride, but she's also the mother of our child. And that's both pre uh, pre birth labor, you know, all throughout, right? And, and recognizing that we are not simply uh, assistant moms, we're dads, right. right? We that's are right. fathers in a way that yeah. is powerful and important. And, and I think about just like the, the birthing process itself, let alone days after it, like the birthing process, being with her and saying, I'm in solidarity with you. Like I would even uh, take on some sacrifices, particularly at the end uh, of a pregnancy, just to kind of be in unity with her as a kind of voluntary mortification, right? But then- And we prepared for birth together and 
like he was with me the whole time. And like we were, it was very much a team effort. A team sport. No, uh, <laughs> we began together. So we wanted to, end, you know, come That's through. Right. He would always say that. He'd be like, I got you into this. I'm going to get you out of it. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. but I do think that after our first child, at least this was uh, our experience, my experience, I felt like we had to, it was, it was challenging because I, I was feeling her pain. I was trying to as best I could, obviously a fraction of uh, the minimum. As fraction. best he could. You yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I did feel like we conquered something together. Yeah. Like I felt like we climbed Mount Everest together. It was, it was challenging. There were a lot of ups and downs. There were struggles, but I had to be there for her yeah. in a way that I hadn't before. Mm, and, mm. and 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 through that was just obviously the beginning. I had no idea the challenges that would come with parenting, mm-hmm. um, and that meant meant that I needed to take care of her to make sure the other kids, as we have more kids, to make sure that she has the time she needs to rest. You know that yeah. she needs to be right. a good steward, yeah. of and I have to protect her in that way. Sometimes from the the kids, you know, and that's that's the yeah. part of the continuing uh, love that we have and give. Uh, it's very practical, very earthy, very real. You know? That's right. Mm. And that's all, like, like Mike just said, you know, like, yes, there is time to pray the rosary with the kids, bring your kids to mass, catechize them, all of those beautiful things. But the reality is that holiness is earthy. You know, holiness is taking care of your wife when she's throwing up over the toilet, you know, like it's, it's taking care of that baby in the middle of the night. That's holiness. Like that is holiness yeah. for the parent. And we can't, ever over-spiritualize being a Catholic parent and recognize that, no, those things, that that's your path to holiness right there. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing. And we can, we can offer that to God. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I wanted to talk to you a bit more about the, um, the, the male post post-birth uh, situation. Yeah. After our first, after Jemima, I was, um, I just started university and being watching Jess give birth was had the most profound effect on me. And I was like, okay, in my head, I was like, I know I can't copy this. I can't say, okay, tit for tat, you know, kind of thing. But at the same time, it really, it really, um, I was like, okay, now I, I can't, I can't fail my degree. I can't get low grades, my paper. And the two weeks post, um <laughs> post the birth i was like right i was just reading every book i could in my degree i was taking notes twice in lectures and i was like and i was like i don't think i'm coping very well i'll go and have a uh, organize a meeting with a lecturer <laughs> and i was completely fine on the outside and i got in the i literally opened the door sat down with my lecturer and just burst into tears <laughs> and I, I i poured everything out and then she said now I didn't understand any of that. Could you start again? And so like, <laughs> could you describe maybe how it was for you? I mean, maybe, I don't know if you remember you was your first born, but like, how did you, you know, contribute? How did you try and, uh, how did you survive as a father for the first time? And then every other time after that? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so the first thing that, that, that comes to mind is that, um, I, I struggled, and I don't know if other other men struggle with this. I, I know I've talked to a number that that this is the case, mm-hmm. but this isn't universal. Um, I struggled with the fact that I love this child, but I didn't feel bonded to it the way that Alicia did, and I don't feel like the baby to her. To, to her. Yeah, it was our, a girl. Our first, our first was, and um, I, I, I felt like the the baby always just wanted mom. So I, I kind of felt like a little bit on the mm. outside of that circle at first. And can I just say one yeah, thing? Yeah. So kind of like from my perspective, I remember Mike in those first couple weeks, 
him being really distant actually. Yeah. And being really distant and, and he can, you can say more about what you're thinking, but, um, but I remember feeling like I was like trying to just keep it together, you know? And I was realizing that even though like I came from a big family, I was always around little babies. Um, it was totally different when it was my baby. And Mm. I'm the one that was responsible for this child. And I had to make these decisions. And I started kind of like feeling really alone, I guess. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say is that I I didn't know what to do. I I felt lost. I didn't have babies around growing up. I had no no experience, Mm. but I just felt, yeah, unnecessary. It felt like everything came, it looked like everything came so natural uh, uh, for Alicia. And so I focused on my work. I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. So I'll focus on something that I know what to do and I know how to do it. And then I have a checklist of things that I need to do and tasks. And I'm like, okay. And then if we needed food, okay, I'll take care of the food. I'll do this. I'll, you know, whatever, but taking care of the child, it, it was but outside then- of me. So, uh, but there was a, there was this moment where, uh, Alicia really challenged and said, I, I, and it was beautiful. I remember like sitting on the couch, holding the baby and he like walked in from work and I just started crying. <laughs> and, and I don't think I realized she needed me. I thought she was self-sufficient. And mm. for me, uh, she I needed to see her tears and that she needed me. And so I, I felt unnecessary in the process uh, somehow after mm. uh, after birth. And then, um, and then it was that moment where I said, okay, we can do this together. Right, and- because it's like, I didn't, like I felt like things were going fine with the baby. It's not like <clears throat> there's any problems right. or like, I really, in a practical way, needed his help, but I, needed him like more I emotionally needed, and, and exactly, engaging exactly exactly like we had to do it as a team like that 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 unity that we felt during the birth it's like no i i want that still you know right, what i mean like right. i want that to continue i want us to be the parents for this baby it's not just my baby it's our baby you and, know and Dominic, for me i came from a, a divorced family you know i didn't you know i didn't have a, a perfect example of what marriage looks like did you know parenting all of that so there were all these kind of parenting is parenting is yeah parenting together with my right. spouse that wasn't something that was ingrained and formed in me right and and for many of us that that's our our story even if they, our parents mm-hmm. are married we may not have that model and that witness um and we we had to forge it ourselves. And right. I, I remember us both feeling this way um, that, that we didn't exactly, even though she's had more experience in a way with, with larger, uh, her own family of origin, we both felt like we didn't know what we were doing. And so that, that led to a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. But I think as a, as a man, it wasn't anything I did other than um, saying, I'm with you and and mm. making sure that that was felt and that was real mm-hmm. and i showed up and i was there when the baby needed me i was there checking on my wife and like again just wrecking that that it, it melted my heart when she said she needed me and i think yeah, that yeah. that um for both men w- women need to know that men want to step in but often don't feel like they're needed or necessary or mm. wanted sometimes. They need to be invited in. And even though she she did want me, I wasn't getting that message, you know, speaking a different language. And so by the time that that happened, I think that was a turning point for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, in us. And then that, that that's continued, you know, and then there right. are times where I get drawn back into work and life outside the home. And mm. she is there oftentimes to help. Yeah. Pull it's so back. funny because I actually kind of forgot about that story. We used to tell that story all the time and I forgot about it yeah. until yeah. now. It, like it really was a turning point for us 
to parent as a team. And, and that skill has something that is so essential, not just when you have infants, but forever. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Parenting yeah, yeah. like forever, mm, you, yeah. you got to mm. be together. Yeah, because yeah, I think for me and my wife, that kind of that uh, moment came a little bit before we um, <clears throat> conceived because we struggled with infertility for about four or five years. And there was this one turning point moment when um, one of our friends um, just got pregnant like 10 seconds after getting married for the like six, umpteenth time that's yeah. happened. And, you know, for me, it was like, oh, just another one, carry on. But like when my wife found out, she was she was. Uh, mortified and yeah she she I was I was out at the time and she rang me up and she was in tears and I just got in the car broke a few road rules got home and yeah. uh, it was kind of it was beautiful but it was like pain painful as well I, I got home opened the door and um oh, it's a bit emotional now <clears throat> it, I just dived into her arms <laughs> one minute <clears throat> Yeah. That's okay. No, that's Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I actually burst into tears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sad about it, but it's all coming back. Anyway, um, yeah. and my, my wife immediately stopped. She's like, what? Why are you crying? <laughs> um, and then, like, then she was comforting me. And, like, I never cried that hard in my life. And uh, from that moment on, she realized, oh, he can't have kids either. And from then on, we were like, "Oh no, we're we're um, <clears throat> we're doing marriage together. We're doing life together." And I think, therefore, yeah. when it came to having kids, we were already in that zone. Um, Beautiful. But uh, yeah, yeah. Was, and then, like, and then with the second I, kid, it's completely different. Yeah. I yeah, I feel like sometimes so women are just. I shouldn't say I feel. I know women oftentimes are just more in touch. With I'm feeling this, and they can recognize that feeling and and experience that feeling and and verbalize it and just kind of like feel that. Whereas with men, you have their stuff going on, but it's not always being felt or expressed. And and that's why marriage is so beautiful because men can help women, you know, to kind of like and see things and move through emotion. But then women can help men like kind of touch on that and help you express that. I just, I love that story. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, because powerful. it's like, it's probably something you didn't realize that you really had felt until mm. that moment, you know, and it was yeah. there. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think women can sometimes make assumptions that, oh, he's not feeling anything. Oh, he, he's not saying anything. And so he's just <clears> cold. And that's not fair. You know, yeah, like yeah. That, that's really not fair. You got to give them a chance, invite them in, allow that emotion yeah. to be expressed. Yeah, that's a whole yeah. other topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and because, like, then with with Jemima's uh, the whole pregnancy with Jemima's, uh, because we had that experience of infertility for so long, it was from mm -hmm. the, from my perspective. Jess was like feeling all these flutters and stuff, and she was like, oh, "That's nice." I'm like, and then it go a few days, and she hadn't mentioned anything. I'm like, "What's going on?" And Jess, yeah, Jess is just like, yeah. "Oh yeah, it's still going on." She she, she doesn't think to mention it because why would you? Because if you have, you mention it every moment. But like, and yes, I was terrified yeah. for that whole nine months, and then, so yeah, it was a really, it was a really uh, an emotional experience, and a, like a really formative one, uh, as I said. Um, bring it back to the the connection with a spouse. Uh, you mentioned earlier the fact that you've got to um, remember that your spouse is the per the reason you have kids, and so like, yeah. have you got any tips for that reconnecting 
once yes. you've been parenting because I imagine especially with 10 kids you, you can definitely get lost in that right yeah but we would yes. always say it's like there was a period of time where we felt like we were like clinging to each other in a sea of children you know like <laughs> we can do it you know like mm. but it really was kind of that experience of just having so much going on especially so when our 10th child was born our oldest child was 18 and so you know i mean just think about that having like 18 through newborn wow. you know 10 kids in the house and you know we have teenagers we have driving we have school we have you know potty training we have just diapers. soccer practice diapers the whole nine yards and it really took a lot of management on our part like time management and things like that and, and I think that we have this, we have a tool on our website that we call the family board meeting. And uh, we have two different podcasts on it, but we actually even offer a course on it. But the whole idea of the family board meeting is for couples to kind of take a weekend to just kind of step out of their, step out of their every busyness, day right. of, of the busyness and say, what is important to our family? How are you doing with your personal goals, with your health, with your profession? How am mm. I doing with my personal goals? How are we doing with finances? All of those kinds of things, because you can get lost in the everyday and live an unintentional life. And right. we, I do never assume that when I meet someone from a big family that they had a good experience because I've met plenty of people from big families who've had horrible experiences. And mm. we wanted to make sure that we were not that family. I actually, my family of origin, I come from a family of 10. And so, and I had a had a really good experience. And so, but we, I've known that that doesn't always happen. So we really tried to be very intentional. And part of that family board meeting time um, is really making sure that we were making time for us on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and then every year having time where we would either go away together or at least spend it a long day together, if not an overnight, because relationships, and this is from a statement from Bishop Olmsted of Phoenix in the United States, but he says relationships are built with the material of time. And you have to remember that. You can't yeah. say, oh yeah, my spouse is so important to me if you never make time and do whatever you have to do date nights to make that time together yeah, yeah. whenever we talk to older couples about what's their secret you yeah. know they always just go to date nights regular date nights you know whether they're simple whether they're even inside like during covid we had a date in our, our upstairs you know like we just set aside put the kids to, to bed or put a movie on and we just had a, a date night by ourselves or when our kids when our kids were really little there were so many times we would put them to bed at 7.30. So one of us would go put the kids to bed and the other one would go downstairs. We would like move the table into our living room, like set it up, like just eat by ourselves and just pretend that we were someplace else, <laughs> you know, like, and, and that was when, you know, we had, we have five kids under the age of seven, you know, at one point, those first five kids came really quick. And so those were the kinds of things we could do if we couldn't afford a babysitter or whatever, mm. but we just were really intentional about you know, making sure we had that time together. Because ultimately, if, if you want to be a great parent, you need to be an amazing spouse, right? So th mm. this idea of forging the unity 
is vital for your marriage, obviously, yeah. but it also is this, this, this centrifugal force. It's this, this centering for your whole family. Your kids are more influenced by your marriage yes. than any parenting method that you'll use out there. The unity between the two of you is your greatest approach to parenting, your greatest discipline method or anything else out there. They're gonna feel that as if it is this kind of shockwave, this, this power and force within your family. So investing in your marriage is not only God's order, but it's yeah. also very, very practical in the formation of your children. Uh, mm -hmm. Because when you align yourself uh, more with your spouse, you're actually activating more of God's grace because this is his design. His design was for our unity. And that grace builds on the nature that we are forging, right? Mm -hmm. And so it gives us that that power we really need to parent because there is no uh, sacrament of parenting. It's right. a, a <laughs> sacrament of matrimony, right? And so that's where the grace comes from to be a parent is from your marriage. Mm -hmm. And and there is nothing that you could say uh, to your children that would be more powerful than saying, I love your mom and showing it and they know it. And there's a power um, behind the board. Living that. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that that's, yeah. and yeah. So, and, and then there's just, just making that time and just saying this is more important than anything else that's going on. In yeah. The we have several, there's one podcast we have called um, pursuing your spouse and just we talk about that, about ways, creative ways that you can really pursue your spouse. Like yeah. we really, really, really need to do that. And like how to spice, seven ways to spice up your marriage. That's you know, one. that's what I was thinking. About. Yeah, yeah. And just because we really are so committed to, um, to couples and to kind of helping wake them up to the fact of how important their marriage is um, mm. for the world, but also really for their children and, and for mm. themselves. Yeah, I'll definitely be looking that up. It's been, uh, like I said, with a degree recently and um, assignments due and COVID and everything, I've, I found myself dropping the ball a few times with the like uh, important dates. So I'm like, oh, crap, <laughs> I need to find some yeah. resources. <laughs> but life, life is long. You know, the, the, the worst thing mm. we can do is uh, get stuck in the past of regret. Not yeah. that we shouldn't seek mm. forgiveness, not that, that we shouldn't try to, you know, uh, make recompense. But at the, the, the greatest gift we can give is saying, I'm going to give this present moment. I'm mm. going to do one new thing. Like this, this would be really silly, but, but for a while there, uh, when we were, we're at, we've been married for a long time now, 27 years. Uh, but, mm. but recently there was a time when Alicia wasn't feeling loved by me. And, it, and it, this may sound silly, but she, um, uh, she asked if I could be making her coffee in the morning. So the first thing I do when I get out of bed in the morning now is to go down and make coffee for my bride. <laughs> and, and, and that just a simple gesture, um, communicates that I put her first before everything else mm -hmm. in my day. And it's also something that she needs to wake up and feel like and, and the thing is too, is that that's being, all right. So we always say we are the most um, consistently inconsistent parents out there. Okay. So anything we say, oh, always remember to do this. We are so bad at being consistent with things. Mm. And so, so it, so for Mike to make me coffee in the morning is not his natural go to you know what i mean mm. you know some men are like super like disciplined they always do this so they always do that you know that's not my husband you know yeah. <laughs> like that's just i am not, not the military his... discipline straight no, line no 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 this is not his personality so for him to make the effort to do that is a big deal 
because it's, mm. I know it's, I know that. So for other husbands to be like, oh, I do that already. You know, that's not such a big deal. Mm. Everybody's different. You know, every, mm. everybody's different. And so for us, that is something, you know, that kind of yeah, like, that yeah. really does mean a lot to me. And so I think for, for couples to kind of find how can I love you, not in the way that I want to love you, but in the way that they you re- need me to love that's you. That's right. Where they you know? can receive it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose the, to make that work, you'd have to understand that Mike isn't disciplined enough to do that usually so it's like oh wow he's going oh, out of his way <laughs> well i'm just saying like for like um <laughs> like for those listening it's not it's not the act of making coffee it's the act of doing something that doesn't come naturally to him for you right. so it's like going out of his way saying oh this is something that she wants me to do but it would never occur to me like for me it's um I always leave the tea towel out. I clean the whole house and I just leave the tea towel in the, in the front room or something and it drives my wife insane. So like me putting that away is, is essential to, for the peace in the household. But yeah, it's like, it's something like, it's, it's, it's weird that like marriage is two families coming together and it's those little things like, cause growing up, we never knew where the tea towel was in the house. And so like we'd be in the kitchen, I need a tea towel and there'd be six somewhere in the house and sometimes it's got a fruit bowl. Sometimes it's where it should be. Sometimes it's by the kettle. And we just, we just, because we just use it, flick it over our shoulder, and then carry on, and then go. Oh, I've got this. Put that down, and then carry on. And uh, and like my wife's family, they have a place for everything. And once you finish yeah. using it, it goes back in that place. And it just makes sense. It's just something we never, I was never brought up with. And it's uh, right. I don't know. It's, right. it's so mad. I, but it's so smart. It's like I want to be that person. I want to <laughs> be like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, you know. Look, you've got a, you've got, you know, we've got a teacher in our spouses, in a sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. One thing that um, people ask me to ask you, specifically my wife, is you've got ten kids, and there's lots of people that do desire to have big families. However, like, but how do you actually have a relationship with ten children that's unique? Yeah. That's do you actually have that connection, or is it kind of the first three are pretty good, the next three a bit distant, and the last one is like as long as you're eating and you're not dead, it's fine. Is that what it's yeah, kind of like, yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the bar like kind of goes down? <laughs> funny, funny point in this, and I, I think you and maybe others listening might might identify with this. You know, for the first uh, two children, we had baby books, right? You know, where we'd wrote down all the our first walking, little pictures, all these things. No, they all have baby books up well, until uh, Jack. But they weren't all completed. So true. So, so <laughs> but but then we did go back and fix some of that. I think. Right. right but right. but but it, it does. You get you get busy and overwhelmed with the kids, right? And so there there is a sense where um, uh, we probably like every parent struggles with the, the treating them as a herd, um, mm. and, but making sure that they are known. Mm-hmm. And so we started. Um, I don't remember when we started this, but we um, we made time uh, to have special time with each kid, and so that they aren't lost. And does it take does it demand more of us? Yes, it does. And are we perfectly consistent with it? No, we are not. But one of the things that I think if you're making a commitment to have a large family, you have to recognize you will not be able to do everything that somebody who has just one that's right uh, one or two children. That's just that's 
probably not in the uh, realistic realm for you, but you can make large investments or make small investments um, over time with each one. Mm -hmm. And so we do a lot of fun things together, game nights as a family, mm -hmm. family fun day usually is Sunday, we're going out and doing something. Um, mm -hmm. But there's also just the simple things of saying, hey, I'm going to the store, why don't, you, why don't just this one child come with me? Mm -hmm. and have a brief conversation, not mm -hmm. making it overly elaborate, mm -hmm. but simple investments like that, or saying, hey, I wanna have special time, and we're gonna go and, and wrestle with my son just together, or reading a book together, or you know, th those little little mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. actually have a great investment uh, in their character, because little kids, uh, when they look back on it, think, oh, dad, you always did this, and I'm like, ah, we only did it two or three times, but, it was, it made it special because I was present mm -hmm. or my, Alicia was present mm -hmm. for that child one-on-one. -on -one. And I think too, that when you have your first child, your second child, yeah, I remember before having kids, somebody said to me, they were like, you, I can't describe you what it's like to, I can't describe to you what it's like to be a parent. Like you just have to experience mm. it for yourself. And, and I found that that's really true. Like to someone who doesn't have children, I, I, I I can't even describe to them because it's such a monumental mm. change within you when yeah. you become a parent and you love this child more than you could ever imagine. And so I can understand how you think, well, how could I have another child and love them just as much as I love this child, you know? Mm. But that's the amazing thing about love is that it's not a pie that's, you know, divided up, right, right, <laughs> you know? Right. And there's only so much, and the, the more there are, the smaller the pieces are. Like, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that with love. And God would never, you are not alone in the act of creation. As mm. you know, it, through your struggle with infertility, right? You could do everything right and still not have a child. Really, mm. it's God is participating in that act of creation. So if God gave you three children, four children, seven children, 10 children, he is going to give you the grace that you need to love that child. That's right. Now, it's kind of like I was talking about like women's bodies, how you're created to give life, but I can't just, you know, eat Twinkies all day and sit on the couch and watch TV and, <laughs> and it, it expect to have like a, a birth with no problems. You know what I mean? That's not going to happen. Yeah. Yes, I have that ability, but I need to do everything that I can. I need to be that steward. So- Yes, God will give you the grace to love this child, but you need to open yourself to that grace. You need to make the choices to put yourself within that stream of grace through your marriage, through taking care of your marriage, through taking care of yourself, through you know frequenting the sacraments, all of those things. So you have the grace to love those children because always remembering that it's not you alone who had this child. God gave this to you, so God will give you the grace that you need to love that child and to protect them. And never forget, the more kids you have, the more siblings they have. And so siblings help tremendously in the act of teaching, in the act of love, in the act of just playing and spending time with them. You know, like one of my friends who has a really big family, she would say, I would just tell my kids, Go out and play with your brothers and sisters. That's why I had all of you. You know, and it's and it's true. There is a certain element. Because siblings make of, the kids felt uniquely loved. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, that's a whole other aspect of family life is your kids' relationships with each other. It's exponential. Mm. Right. And how formative 
your siblings' relationships um, really do help you to grow as a person. So it's not just all on mom and dad, right. you know, but mom and dad, they cut, I read there's, there's this book called The Sibling Effect, and it talks about how your parents kind of draw the outlines of your life, but your siblings color in the lines. You know, and so like parents make those big decisions and are like the umbrella, if you will, the overall like boundaries and guardrails and teaching and discipline and and just even feed and clothing, all of those things. But then you they teach you, but then your siblings, that's where you kind of learn how to do all these things that your parents are teaching you, especially in relating to others and in learning more. So yeah, my I know just I can just speak from as a child uh, coming from a family of 10, my siblings today are the closest relationships I have. And none of us mm. live near each other. I mean, we don't live in the same town or anything, but I, you know, yes, I'm in touch with my sisters almost every day. And and my brothers as well, are, are they're such a gift to me. And I would never, I'm so grateful to my parents for making that sacrifice. Um, and they made it part of the culture. And that's what we're trying to do as well, is that, you know, both the special time that you have that it kind of creates an expectation for those kids that they start asking you. So if you forget, you'll have a kid saying, hey dad, we haven't gone out for special time recently. Yeah. And it reminds you, but then you also do things like we we do at birthdays. We go around and we honor and affirm yes. individually each person so that yes. it's not just a, a, a passing, you know, we're not just ships passing in the night, shuttling kids to, you know, uh, to football practice or this or that. They are, they are sitting down around the dinner table together and we're having a conversation. Ideally, one conversation doesn't always happen, but, you know, we're, we're talking together or at their birthdays like we just had, we're, we're individually honoring one child saying, I really admire this in you, or I want to honor you for that, or I really love you because of this. And to have each child be able to verbalize that, to say that, and that's part of their habit. We've seen with our adult kids that they are now taking on that role on their own without us saying ever saying anything to them, that they're taking out the younger kids when they come yeah. home from, you know, college or university, or they're coming back from, you know, you know, working for a vacation, they're coming home and they're like, I want to get to know the younger kids that I didn't always have time because I was older or gone. And so it creates something very powerful that leaves this deep and lasting impression on our kids that they have an identity and they have a mm. belonging. And ultimately that's what I think family culture really ought to do. It's these little yeah. traditions that really confer a deep sense of identity on our kids, who they are, who they are to God, who they are to their siblings. And then that they belong, they belong yeah. here, which is really the foundation for them to understand that there is a God who loves them and there's a church that is their home and family. Yeah. And I think mm. having those pegs of traditions and customs within your home helps you to remember to take that time that you need to help give that belonging and identity. And that's, yeah, that's, there's so much that we, we could, could talk, talk about. about but <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a whole other podcast. We're definitely going to have to do a, a couple more episodes with you guys just to fill in all the the questions that are in my mind. I've also got a barrage of questions from various other people. So I'm going to try in the last 10 minutes to try and get a few th through a few of these. Um, okay, rapid fire. We, we'll we love this. We love it. <laughs> okay, here's, here's a, a quick and easy one. Um, so we have the Diocese of Hamilton, and they're wondering if you can come to the Hamilton Family Weekend uh, yeah. sometime. So come up. <laughs> yes, brilliant. Okay, well, well, we'll organize that through Evangelion and we'll get that sorted. Um, Here's another one. 
Okay, this is from Jemima Fitzpatrick. As a parent, how do you deal with overwhelming anti-Christian nature of society children are growing up in and the fact that it seems to be getting worse at an exponential rate? How, to, how do you raise kids to be in the world but not of the world? Amen. That is a great <laughs> question. You, there is it. Go ahead. Family culture. Family culture. That is a Catholic parent's secret weapon. And and like I said, I know I keep referring to the podcast, but just there's so much to cover and I just want to direct people there. Um, so we there, spent we have, two hours talking about family culture, what that means yes. and how to live that out. And we have yes. a little chart and, and a worksheet to help. The way, the way that I would think about it is your family culture needs to be strong and so you're communicating Attractive. your values to your children, not just by your words, but by the way that you live. And so your children understand what authentic love is. So your children understand this is what real relationships look like. Hey, this is what it really means to resolve conflict. This is what it really means to engage the world as a Catholic. So then if that family culture, which is if you are communicating that truth and beauty which is naturally attractive, right? Like we believe mm -hmm. that the truth and beauty is, is naturally attractive to every person. If your child has an experience of that, when they leave your family and they come into contact with the false, fake culture of the world, they will be able to look at it and be like, okay, wait a second. I know what real love is because I've seen it. I've experienced it with my brothers and sisters. I've seen it in my parents. That's, that's not real love. Now, of course, there may be a period of time where they maybe kind of fall into those lies. You know, kids always kind of have to touch things and every every child is different. But really the answer is family culture. So you can say to your children, yeah, I know your neighbors are doing that, but like for us, but you're a Hernan. You're a Hernan. This is what Hernans do. This is what the Hernan family believes. Hey, they're doing something different. They're doing something different than what we're doing. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is what we believe. This is this is who we as a family are. And again, that, that creates this deep sense of identity and belonging. And you've got to have it in such a way that it's so fun and persuasive and attractive yes. uh, for your kids. So it's gonna, you know, it's gonna take some effort on our part. Um, you know, we require um, like a woman once told us, uh, there's more questions. So we only I know, have 10 right. minutes. <laughs> but if you want to, if you want to uh, pray with your kids, you need to play with your kids, right. you know, that we need to create a culture that is so fun and alive that they're yeah. looking out and saying, this is awesome. I love being a member of our family. Yeah. Even with the world around us going crazy. Right. But there's a ton mm. more good answer on that one. There's a lot more. And I suppose, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like we have to go check that episode out. Um, but yeah, I suppose having more kids creates a, a more ingrained culture because like if you're, yes. you know, you're a Hernan or you're a Malajeri and there's 20 of you, then it's like, okay, we're a thing, you know. So that's, that, right. That's, that's right. That's right. We're our own tribe, you know. Exactly. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Any tips for first time parents? Wow. Yes. A lot of them. Should we maybe say, <laughs> maybe, should we, should we maybe say uh, two tips each? <laughs> one sure. for Mike, one for Alicia. Right. Just keep 
Um, so, so first time parents, um, one, we kind of touched on this, but I'll, I'll, I'll just mention another little thing, um, is this whole idea of the unity, right? Because you can read a lot of great parenting methods out there, a lot of great resources, right. even podcasts, but at the end of the day, it's gotta be the two of you. Your unity is your greatest parenting method. So get that right in the mm -hmm. beginning and it will, it will flow out. Um, second thing is that, um, you're, it's okay that you make mistakes. Um, but <laughs> that you, one of the things we say, you got to fake it till you make it, you know, you mm -hmm. may not know how to be a parent. You may not know what you're stepping out into, but step out anyway. It, it's better at one of the, we say mm -hmm. is it's better to be wrong together than right alone. And it's, it's, uh, sometimes you may not have all the perfect answers, mm -hmm. but in stepping out, you know, all within the, the boundaries of the church and the unity that you have with your spouse, um, doing something is far better than waiting until you have the perfect answer. So, okay. So my, will be really quick. Um, my piece of advice first, especially for moms specifically is to get priorities, um, correct. Yeah, so real, real. first you need to make sure you take care of yourself. You must take care of yourself, get the food you need, get the sleep that you need, if your baby is not sleeping, figure it out. Go ask with other veteran moms. There's lots of great resources out there that is mm. so, so key. You have to take care of yourself, moms. And second, you have to work on your marriage. Yeah. You gotta work mm. on your marriage. It grieves me when when I hear moms say, we haven't, we have never gone away together in 20 years because I always mm. was too busy with the kids. Or we haven't gone out on a date night because my toddler cries every time I leave. That's that's not the that's right priority. That's creating a child-centered family. It right. needs to be a marriage-centered family mm. from right. a relationship standpoint. Obviously, Christ-centered. We, Christ we have left the house with our children crying because we were leaving. And guess what? They're all totally fine. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> exploded from crying. You know, but and they don't those, remember it. Ever. And they don't remember it. But those times that you have with your spouse are absolutely key. Never mm. underestimate that. That's brilliant. Okay, so what else have we got? Um, what's the best thing about your marriage so far? <laughs> Is this censored or not? <laughs> I, I, I uh, it's it's I a recording. I can edit it later. <laughs> I literally knew he was going to say that. I did. I'm like, I can read your mind. I believe, <laughs> I believe we need to renew our sacrament, if you know what I mean, as frequently and often as possible. There is a... A communication, um, you know, men and women um, communicate differently. And uh, the Parolas in Australia, uh, I don't know if you know the, the Parolas. Uh, smart, smart loving, loving the great ministry. Great ministry over yeah. there. Um, but they're, they're, they have this beautiful uh, way of seeing that men and women are different and that we um, often communicate differently. Send well, and receive What's the best love. thing about our marriage? Our marriage? Her. <laughs> That's the best thing. There you about go. Her laugh. She laughs at my yeah. jokes. Right? Okay. I, and, and she actually, she challenges me to be a better man. When I see mm. the way that she um, both gives herself to the kids, but also many, you know, efforts, you know, uh, schools and different things that she serves, it challenges me to be a better man. I believe our marriage has made me more of a man than anything I could have ever done. Joining mm. the military, doing any athletic, you know, all these other things, being married to her has made me into the man that I am um, and has, has healed and transformed me. I, I would honestly say, I think the best part of our marriage is just all of the adventures yeah. that we have had together. And, and I don't mean like going to the Amazon. I just mean, 
life, you know, like the whole like clinging to each other in a sea of children, like really kind of feeling like, wow, it, I just think about just the crazy stuff that we've done, like the Man. big 15 passenger van with like the big trailer behind it and just all of that. Like, I think the best part of our marriage is that we both have that adventurous spirit and like are ready to do it together, you know, mm. and ready to experience those those amazing things together. And that's been yeah. true our whole relationship, even before we were married. We did a whole bunch of crazy stuff when we were single <laughs> too. But it's, I think that having that adventurous spirit yeah. and just we leading us, it. yeah. And just really being ready to go where God wants us to go and do what he wants us to do. So. That's amazing. That's really good. And I can really echo what you were saying there, Mike, about your spouse being the best part. I can I relate to everything you said just then. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, we have like a ton of other questions but we also have no time so we will yeah. definitely have to do this again sometime maybe next year and uh, yeah. get back on the podcast that was really good um, so uh, so ladies and gentlemen that was Curiously Catholic another great episode really enjoyed that one i hope you guys did too and remember we have all these exciting things coming up with evangelion another awesome retreat happening in christchurch we're going to be launching a patreon page with exclusive um and content just for you guys that listen uh, so check us out on our podcast curiously catholic on any podcast app L uh, wait for us to come onto youtube and look out for that patreon page stay stay holy god bless